welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Woo, that was fun. I just wanted to keep singing. How's everybody doing tonight? We good? You can go ahead and grab a seat, wave to some people, say hello. Merry Christmas. We could do better than that. It's Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's more like it. Most of us, you didn't have to work today, or maybe you did, and you came right after, and you're just excited about what tomorrow has to offer. But I'm thankful, as well as the rest of our team, that you came to celebrate Christmas with us, that we can celebrate one of the greatest moments in history. And the fact that we can do it together for our first ever Christmas Eve service as a church it's such an honor and a privilege and a blessing. And to be here hanging out with our families too, kids in the room, shout out to Soul Revival Kids. Man, that was fun. They've been practicing for like six weeks. So there was some diligent preparation that went into that. You know, they just didn't show up. That kind of stuff doesn't happen overnight. So I'm proud of each and every one of them for showing up, making it happen. And parents, thanks for coming and inviting your friends and family to join in that special moment. But today, as we, as we celebrate Christmas Eve, I'm really excited to be able to share with you about the greatest story ever told. And if you have a Bible with you, awesome. I'm going to be in Luke 2, verse 9. If you don't, that's all right. I'll end up throwing it on the screen behind us. But if you're a guest with us today, we always want to let people know that the Bible, the Bible is not something to be intimidated by. The Bible is not something you should be afraid of. The Bible is not a rule book that you need to do all of these things so that God would love you. God loved you, so he wrote this Bible and, and gave people the words to be able to lead and guide us in our lives so that we can live fruitful lives. It is a love story about him who created the universe, who sent his son to die for us. That is this Bible that we read. And today, in Luke 2, verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much. I thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you have got a plan and a purpose and that no one is here by accident or mistake. We thank you for the privilege to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me, help me get out of the way, because you have got something to say to someone today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. Amen. Man, how many people have been watching Christmas movies? Just a few of you, huh? How many? Frosty the Snowman. That's a good shout out. Kids, what other ones? Rudolph? Anybody watch Rudolph? The Grinch? Come on, kids. You can do better than that. More than just my kids up front. Let's hear them. Polar Express. You know, it, this is the time to watch all kinds of Christmas movies. Santa Claus is coming to town. All right. Now we get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was my kid, Micah, so I can do that. I did not say that to any of your children. It's a wonderful life, yes. And, and that is a wonderful one. And, and you know what? We had an opportunity throughout all of December to do a Christmas series called Christmas at the Movies, where we looked at different movies and we looked at how God would use those in our lives, which is a lot of fun. Movies are incredible. Movies are so much fun for us to be able to kind of submerge ourselves into something, get lost in a moment. 
We've got movies coming out like Sing 2, I know our family's ready for. If you're a little bit older, maybe it's Spider-Man, No Way Home. There's all kinds of opportunities over this holiday season to be able to let yourself go into a story. But tonight, I want to bring you into the story of the nativity. The story that split time in two. That verse that we just read, as these shepherds were greeted as they were out in the pasture by an angel to let them know that good news was coming, that Jesus was born. But the, tonight when I talk about a nativity, I'm not talking about your grandma's nativity. No offense, grandmas. We love you because we love it and because you talk to us about Jesus. But I think we're going to see something that's a little bit different. It's different than when you walk in and you see this display of a baby Jesus in a manger. And it looks so angelic. And it is angelic because it's a moment where God entered in. But the circumstances surrounding that moment are very different. See, in those days, Caesar Augustus, who's actually a, a nephew of Julius Caesar, who Julius Caesar adopted and he took over and became the first emperor of Rome. And as, as he was performing a census and he said everyone must return to their home, to where they were from, so that we can get a count. Now this was all about taxes. This was about identifying how he can accumulate more wealth, how he can ensure he knows where people are and what is due to them. And what I also love about it is this is not a story about once upon a time in a place far, far, far away. See, Luke shares those details with us to let us know that this is a true story. This is nonfiction. This took place. You can research it and uncover the Roman history and know that this was taking place. This is real life. My favorite movies are those that come from real life. Remember the Titans, Hidden Figures, Ray, Dolphin Tale, Kids, that's based on true story. But those that come to life after actually having taken place, there's a different impact to it. But rarely when something is done based on real life, do they know in the moment that something is going to come from it like that. And that was the case in this moment. But Mary and Joseph, Mary, who had an angel come to her and say, are you willing to carry God's kid? And this virgin young woman who's like, yeah, I'm in. Not knowing fully the consequences and the weight and the gravity of what that would mean and how she would be treated because as a virgin who became pregnant was looked at differently. And Joseph who said, I'm going to raise him and I'm going to trust and believe in God and know that this is his child. Well, they had to go back to Bethlehem. That was his hometown. And so many prophecies were being fulfilled. And this is what I love because Caesar Augustus in that moment thought he was doing something for his benefit, but he had no idea that God was using him to position Mary in the place where the Messiah was foretold to be coming from. Prophecy after prophecy fulfilled from the Old Testament of this moment. Micah 5.2 saying that it is going to come from the line of David. And it will be born in Bethlehem, a Messiah, a Savior. Jesus. 
And as they make their way back and they get to Bethlehem, there they are alone. There they are, not, not even having a head. I mean, a roof over their head. They did have heads. <laughs> We're all about vulnerability and transparency. If we mess up, we own it. But they didn't have a roof over their heads. So they find themselves in a pasture, in this little manger area, this space where animals were kept. And while they were there, it says a baby came to be born. They swaddled them in just different ripped pieces of cloth, laid them in this manger. Away in a manger. Help me out, my vocals are not good. But that sounds beautiful. But really think about it. Jesus, the savior of the world, was put in a trough, a food trough. You want to know what that means? That where they were were filled with a whole lot of animals. Might smell like a house with three boys. All kinds of animals surrounding them. Like sheep. Kids, let me hear your sheep sound. Maybe a donkey. Can I hear a donkey? But animals everywhere. Very different than the experience I had when our first son, Matthew, was born. We were in a hospital, hanging out. They're bringing ice chips. She's chewing on like, yo, let me get some of that juice. Apple juice, grape juice mixed together, delicious. Doctors and nurses to help you out. A nice comfy rocking chair where I could take some naps in. Don't get mad at me. She went through like 38 hours of labor. She didn't even have an epidural, so shout out. But I felt like I got to get a little bit of rest, you know what I'm saying? When that baby's born, she worked for 38 hours. I got to change some diapers that look like tar. That's right, kids. That's what it looks like. Gross. But this scene, like this beautiful song, this depiction, I'm thinking, man, in this manger, where they are, there would be a whole lot worse and grosser things than the circumstances that surrounded that. The birth of a savior. See, this birth came and nobody expected it, even though it had been prophesied about forever. Even though it had been shared the exact circumstances of how Jesus would come and where he would be. And then it gives us a, a scene change, okay? Then it takes us out by these shepherds. And in Luke 2, 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's like, wait a second, how did we end up there? We just heard about Jesus being born. And I love all the kids. This is a participatory. Amen. Shout me down. I love it. It's like, shepherd, wait, wait a second. The baby was just born in a manger. What, what happened next? And it takes us out in the field by these shepherds. And that is when the angel appears. That is when the angel talks to these shepherds, these outcasts, these outsiders. Shepherds were not even allowed to go into the temple because they were looked at as unclean. And that is who God chose to share the gospel with for the first time. Man. And as he, as this angel meets these shepherds out in this dark place, these outsiders, and it freaked them out. 
How would you feel if it was dark out and then just boom, angel appears, light shining? I'd be afraid. That's good. I'm glad I got some kids to participate with me. We'd all be freaking out. They're like, it's okay, though. It's cool. Guess what just happened? Another way to say that, what happened was? <laughs> but here we go. He's letting the shepherds know about the birth of Jesus that just took place. The Messiah was just born, and he's in a manger right up the street. And they had to respond, because guess what happened next? More angels showed up, and they started singing like, ah! Sound like your voices as we were just singing together. Beautiful. Just singing out glory to God. So they, they go immediately. They go at once, and they go to look at this moment. The nativity. The nativity looking a little bit differently than we'd be used to. A little bit differently than we would have expected. But guess what? When the shepherds showed up, it was exactly as the angel had said. And they were blown away because they're like, what? No way I was going to go and find a baby laying in a trough. They must be telling the truth. On top of the fact they kind of showed up and light appeared and everybody was singing. And they went and told everybody they knew about it. They wanted to make sure everybody could hear about what they had just witnessed. You ever seen something so incredible? You ever had God just, boom, hit into your life? How do you not go tell somebody about it? And these shepherds that would have held themselves back, they would have been afraid to go out even into society because they were looked at as an outcast, could not hold back from sharing what they had seen that day. They couldn't. And then you got Mary, who's just chilling back, trying to take it all in. Trying to take in the gravity of what just took place. Because the journey she would have had, that's an 80-mile journey. 80 miles to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And kids, there was no Wi-Fi. There were no tablets for the journey. You had nothing to keep you occupied. When you say, are we there yet for a two-hour car ride? We're talking weeks. And now they find themselves there here alone, and then these angels go and share, and she's just reflecting on it all, like, wow, look what God has done. And then these shepherds go out, and they respond from there, and they go out and share about who Jesus is. But I feel like someone's missing from this nativity. <laughs> we'll get to you in a minute, Micah. Like, where are the three kings at that are on everybody's nativity, right? Where are the three kings with the frankincense and the myrrh and the gold? Where are they at? I didn't hear anything about it. Well, guess what? Luke 2 is what we're just looking at. Now we're going to look at Matthew 2. This tells us what happened after that moment. It says, after. Can everybody say after? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Key word, after. These wise men realistically didn't get there between, Jesus was maybe six months to 18 months old. So let's say his first birthday. I like averages. Does that sound good? Can we assume that because nobody really knows? 
Happy birthday, here's some dope stuff. But they weren't there, and so many of us have this thought in our mind of these magi coming and just bowing before them. They were not kings. They were astronomers. And this is what's incredible about how God works. They didn't know who God was, but what did God do? He spoke to them through a star, what they studied. Some of you today are like, man, I've been trying to avoid God. I don't even believe in who God is, and I have not a care in the world about anything about him. But guess what? He cares about you, and he will show up in the things that matter to you because he wants to change your heart. He wants you to know that he sees you, and he's got something to show you. He's got a Messiah he wants to introduce you to. And as they go on this trek, and they go on their way, they stop off at King Herod. And King Herod looks at him and is like, hey, teachers. He was asking all the Jewish teachers. Where where and when is this Messiah supposed to have been born? Bethlehem. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, Magi, when you find him, can you just come back and holla at me? Let me know where he was at. I just want to go worship him too. Hey, shout out to my mother-in-law right now too because I'm paraphrasing the entire Bible and she's keeping up with me on these verses behind me. (laughs) So if you want the real version, okay? My version is a pristine version. I can't help but to share it that way. Amen. But King Herod wanted to actually persecute and kill him because he was threatened by what that represented. He was threatened by the idea of a Messiah that could come and change the world and take away from the power that he had. King Herod, man, dude was a beast. He killed his own wife, a couple of his own sons. Um, This is not the nativity you're used to. Sorry, kids. Parents, I did not warn you PG-13 before you came in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. PG. And the Magi, they just had a bad feeling about it. So after they come and they worship Jesus, and they go before him, and they celebrate everything that had come to pass, that this star had guided them directly there, they had a change of heart because they saw something that changed their lives. They saw that this Messiah had existed. And they left and they went a different way back. And then once again, an angel appeared to Joseph and he said, hey, you got to get out of here ASAP. You got to flee to Egypt right now because someone's trying to take Jesus out. I don't know. If I was in the hospital when my little guy was born, someone's like, yo, someone's coming to try to kill your son. I'd be freaking out. You? No? Nobody? Well, I would be. Take cover. Get out of the way. I'm out of here. But he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. Let's get to Egypt. Let's flee from it. See, but this nativity story in his Jesus actually goes and has to flee. His life is being hunted from the start. This is the true story of the nativity, the coming of the Messiah, the changing of the world. I'm asking Naomi to come up. In an instant, God says, I'm going to send a savior. I'm going to fulfill the prophecy. It has been quiet for too long. Over 400 years, no one had heard from God. 
He could have sent the Messiah to come, fully grown, and overthrow the government. But there was a plan he had through it all. There was a plan that is greater than anything we could think of. So some of you need to know that in your life, you may face troubles, you may face adversity, and wonder where is God and why is he not with me? Why am I alone? Why do I feel like he has abandoned me? Just know that he hasn't. There's a story he wants to tell through your life too. There's something he wants to do in and through you that not only is going to impact those around you, but change your heart too so you can fully step into your purpose and your destiny. Jesus had to come as that baby so that he could model what it looked like to face oppression, to face persecution, to show what it means to overcome and how to overcome with love. And as I think about this nativity, there's, there are a few different groups of people. You have Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph who are just looked like ordinary people. See, this is the part I'm going to get real. Because some of you have been struggling with this feeling of just being ordinary, like God couldn't do anything through you, so you avoid him. Or you've been hearing God telling you to do something, you're like, I'm just too ordinary. And God's just saying, no, I want to do a little extra with it. In your life, I can do something extraordinary if you let me. Just say yes. Mary said yes, and God did the rest. I didn't even mean to rhyme. But stop. Stop telling yourself that you're not worth it. You have got to stop telling yourself that you don't have enough and you don't have what it takes. See, because when God sent Jesus down, he sent him for you. He sent him for me. He sent it for us to be able to step fully in to who we are as his children and what he has called us to. We all wrestle with feeling like we're not enough but you are not ordinary at all. When you have a relationship with God, when you have accepted the fact that Jesus died for you and rose again, he is with you and giving you confidence and courage. You are given a new name. You are a child of God. There is nothing ordinary about that. And then you have these governmental figures Caesar Augustus, who had no clue how God was using him, didn't even know anything about the circumstances that would take place because of what he did. And you have King Herod who's trying to make sure he maintains his power so he does everything he can to oppose that and to take it out. I'm not getting political. I'm actually telling you the opposite of it because Jesus isn't conservative or liberal. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus came to die for us all, and he's saying, I want to bring unity through all of you. So let's stop having division. And those things will happen, and this government coming to try to take Jesus out, but he had the victory, he had the last word, and he's still not finished. And these teachers of the law, these religious people, they know everything and how to point a finger and let you know that you're not living the way that you're supposed to. They didn't even respond when they heard the Messiah was born. 
these magi willing to just travel there and these religious people that have been waiting for the Messiah and they missed it when he was right in front of them. These magi, not religious at all, actually the opposite of it. You know, it's like the, the do you, do what feels good, live your own truth. Until they got hit with the truth right in the face. They could not deny it when that star appeared and they just knew they had to follow it and they came into the presence of the living God. And they were never the same. This nativity story can change your life if you let it. And the ones I so desperately relate to are the shepherds, the outsiders and the outcasts, the ones that have been through so much and say, you know what, I gotta get myself together before I can come into the presence of God. But God came to them. God came to these shepherds and said, hey, come and see what I have done. Come and see the Savior. And the moment they encountered him, their lives were forever altered and they couldn't help but to respond. Jesus loves you no matter what you've been through. You need to know that Jesus loves you no matter what you've done. No matter how other people view or see you as. And this nativity story is for you. The other thing about this manger that's so incredible is you think about all these lives that were impacted from all these different areas, whether they allowed themselves to be or not. It's also not this little straw hut with a flat plastic back. Where the animals kept, they actually think were more so like in a cave. So Mary, pregnant, goes into a cave and Jesus takes his first breath. And as he leaves there, the Messiah is born. But that is not the last time he leaves a cave. You see, Jesus would grow and he would step into his full purpose of what his father had intended. And he started to flip religion on his head and he started to let people know that it is about loving people, love God and love people, serve people. Radical love. Radical love that ends on a cross where he was accused of something he didn't do, but of who he actually was. And by affirming it and saying, yes, that is who I am, he paid the ultimate penalty with his life where he was taken to the cross, where he was beaten and crucified, where he had nails through each hand and through his feet. He was speared in his side, and he went through all of it for you and for me. The nativity story. See, but that is not where it ended because guess where they took Jesus' body? They took it to a cave. They took it to this tomb that would have been carved out of the side of a rock and they tried to put a door over it so no one could get through, but that could not hold him down because he once again took breath in the midst of that cave and he rose again. Amen. 
I know what it means to have a life-altering encounter with Jesus. I know what it means to feel like I've made too many mistakes and I'm just not good enough. I have been there. But I had one encounter with Jesus like those shepherds. And when I was able to learn and hear and understand the true nativity, the story of who Jesus was and what he did for my life, it transformed me forever. He wants to do the same for you. Because Jesus changes See, nativity, we all think of nativity, we just picture and envision Jesus, but the word nativity actually means the circumstances of your birth. So the nativity was the circumstances of Jesus' birth, but what's the nativity of your life? See, just like Jesus rose again from the cave, yeah, you might have had an earthly birth, but you can have a birth into a relationship with Jesus that changes everything. You can walk out of here today and you can breathe again, but maybe for the first time. What's that cave you've been living in, but you need to know that that's not the end because he wants to give you new life. Because darkness hit. And nothing was seen. There is a darkness in this world. There is a brokenness in this world. But as darkness was there, that wasn't the end. I want to do something for a second. Hey, can you just cut the lights? Darkness. There was a whole lot of emptiness and nothingness before God formed the earth. But there was another darkness and a quietness until Jesus came again. Because a light entered the world. A Messiah was born and placed in a manger. It was unexplainable, unimaginable, and nobody believed that it could be the truth, but it happened and it took place, and it was God sending his son down to save. And that light is available for all of us to step into. That light is an opportunity for us to say, yes, I want everything that you have, Jesus, for my life. And right now in this space, I want to give everyone an opportunity to respond to what God has been speaking to your heart right now. Because there is new life for you. There is new breath for you. Because God has a hope and a future for you. So I just want to ask in this moment, could everyone bow your head and close your eyes? I want to give somebody in here today an opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus. See, God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. There's no special rituals you have to do. There's no class you have to take. You feel God impacting your heart right now. You just have to respond and say, yes, I believe in who Jesus is. I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he was crucified for me, but that wasn't it because he rose again. Not only did he rise again, but he is coming back again someday. 
So I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you in this space and you say, yes, I want that. I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air. One, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, I promise your life will never be the same. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand in the air today? Thank you. 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 You can, you can put them down right now. This moment right now for whoever just made that decision marks the beginning of your nativity. This is the story of your rebirth. This is the story of you stepping into a relationship with Jesus and you'll never be the same. And like those shepherds, God's saying, I just want you to step into this light, but also to be the light that can pass it. I'm going to ask our ushers to help me out for a second because we want to pass out. I want to give you a visual illustration of what that looks like when you step into the light. And then you say, yes, I'm willing to be that light. So our ushers are going to be walking alongside you here in a moment. We're going to be passing along some candles. It's not real fire. Battery operated. It's safe. But as this bucket passes, if you would just take one and then pass it along. I know there's some, maybe some gaps in some seats. You might have to walk a little bit, but... As I just look at that light right now, I'm already seeing how it's illuminating where you're sitting. As I see this light begin to pass along, it is a beautiful illustration of what God wants to do through each and every one of us. That he sent the light of the world here. That he sent Jesus to live a full life, to model what it looks like to follow him, to love God, and to love people. And he has invited us into that journey with him. He has invited us to be a part of that light. That light that he sparked when he sent Jesus to earth. Now as we see candles going, kids can grab them too, everybody. We got enough for you all. Just look around for a minute. Look around as you see them past. See, different vantage points are different too because you might not be seeing the same view I am. I, I know you're not, but from here, I could not see one of your faces a moment ago. From here, it was nothing but darkness in the auditorium. But now as I look around, I can see each of you who have this candle, I can see it just lighting your face. See, when we're the light of the world, everyone we come in contact with, they get to look at us and say, what's different about you? I want that. How do I get that light? What a beautiful image. The nativity story, the story of the birth of Jesus. Over 2,020 years ago, we're still celebrating it. Jesus, who split time in half, 
And as we say, yes, I want to be a part of it. And God, I want my nativity to line up with your nativity because guess what? The story's not done. Jesus is coming back. But until that moment comes, we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to keep being that light. I'm going to be like those shepherds. I'm going to let somebody know about what Jesus has done in my life. Because God hit my heart and I saw what he told me would be there. And I just got to tell somebody about it. Now we'd love it if you would stand with us and join us as we sing to close out this Christmas Eve service. In response to who Jesus is. And what he's done for us as we celebrate the birth of a Savior. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.